When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Well, welcome along to the Everything is Black and White podcast, which is taking place today here in Porto with a, a, little, a little coffee, uh, as you, and you might hear some of the noises of a, a coffee in the background, <laughs> just to make it that little bit more authentic. Uh, it's not quite James Richardson <laughs> standards, uh, but then who is? Um, but myself and Stuart Rain are here, um, you know, it's the... The, the morning after the, the night before if mm. you like in terms of Newcastle's game with Porto and I think uh, Rafa after the game you know he, he told us in the press conference he wasn't really bothered about the result he was pleased with the clean sheet uh, a little bit more concerned with the amount of chances that uh, Porto were allowed to create but overall pretty happy and you know it was probably for me uh, it was probably a creditable result against Quite a decent Porto team, Stu. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you're right. You can't you can't get fixated with the results in pre-season, good or bad. Um, I was, I mean, the, the, the massive positive for Newcastle was that not just Martin Dubravka but Carl Darlow was well played, very well in goals. So, yeah, um, that department of the team look, looks very solid. Um, I, I was probably slightly less positive than Rafa about the yeah. about the game as a whole. It, it was. It was only pre-season. There is still two weeks to go, so you know the, the, you expect there to be things to to work on. Yeah. Um, but it did seem very scratchy in possession. It didn't really create very much at all over, over the course of the game. Although you know it has to be said that uh, Callum Roberts had a chance late on, which uh, which could have actually tipped yeah. the balance. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, yeah, I mean they were they were they were clinging on at times. You know they. they not only did Dubravka play extremely well, but Porto hit the woodwork twice. Um, so there's certainly there's certainly a lot of work that needs to be done. But as we say, you, you've you've got you've just got to remember all the time that this is pre-season. It's about being rusty. I mean, for example, Paul Dummett looked looked pretty scratchy, but then yeah. he probably should look pretty scratchy because yeah, that was his first four, game. First 45 minutes. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and I say the, these are the games you need to sort of get that out of your system and, and get together. But I, I suppose Rafa will look at it and, and say that um, that actually. 
for the amount of possession that Porto had, they didn't really create as many chances as they wanted. They'll be coming out a bit disappointed that they didn't have more cutting edge. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's always two sides of every story. That that's partly down to the way Newcastle United defended. So I, yeah. I guess that's what that's what Raf is looking at when he when he takes a positive view of the game. Yeah, and I think you know, looking back on the on the highlights last night, mm. uh, you know, look back on. Oh, okay, beginners. Yeah. The beginners. Uh, no, that's okay. Yes. Okay. Thank you. We're just getting some water here. Anybody <laughs> is wondering what's going on, but uh, our limited but language skills have been uh, uh, tested to the limit and beyond. It is confirmation that it is indeed really taking place in a cafe in Porto. Um, what I was just about to touch on was, you know, I look back at the highlights of the game last night and some of those Dubravka saves I mean for a guy who just stepped up to play mm. his first game that they were absolute top draw and you just wonder what a bargain he, he has been absolutely uh, four million pound uh, another cracking cracking signing from um, from Rafa Benitez and um, looking back at the chance it was I mean really it was Newcastle didn't have too many chances overall. I no. mean, Hosloo hooked one wide. It was also one where I think he misjudged it, where he was caught by surprise a little bit with a loose ball. And, you know, a goalkeeper like Iga Casillas just rushed out and dealt with that danger, you know, very easily. Uh, but the the big chance was, you know, in the, the last few minutes, Sterry's cross, Sterry did his, played a, quite a good shift out there mm. for Newcastle. It just evades Adam Armstrong. Uh, it drops to Callum Roberts, who does get something on it, but he's just stretching for it a little bit. Yeah, isn't he? just a fraction closer to him, yeah. and he'd have more chance of directing it. But uh, it would have just been a nice moment for one of the youngsters to to prod that home and score the winner at Paul Stadium. I think, of course, have, yeah. You know, whatever you do in your career, even in a friendly game, you would remember that um, yeah. quite fondly. But I mean, it, there's a lot of focus at the moment, Lee, on um, strikers, particularly. Obviously, we we. Uh, we found out before the game that uh, we're expecting Alexander Mitrovic to complete a £22 million move to Fulham. So, obviously, Newcastle fans are starting to think about if and, if and where the money will be spent in terms, of, in terms of new strikers. But, I mean, it was a difficult night, really, to judge Hosselu and, uh, and Ayose Perez, really, wasn't it? Because so little fell to them that it, it would have been difficult for anyone to have a good game in those circumstances. Yeah, I think Perez is getting stronger and stronger uh, as, a, as a player, as a as a personality and I think under Rafa he's come on leaps and bounds mm. um, we've seen him captain in pre-season haven't we he started the season as captain um, as you say made a couple of good bustling runs last night um, seems stronger he looks you know you know. I remember when he first came over to, to the Premier League from Tenerife and you know he wasn't uh, a player that was was powerful in the in the box. Mm. He's, he's worked on that. You know, he's he's done the weights. He's done all everything that he needs to do, and you know he's looking like the real deal. Um, Rafa's got a lot of faith in him. He does want another number ten, but you know that's just to, to have some backup. So he's going to be a really interesting option again, Perez this season. Yeah, um, and you know, top scorer last year as well with ten goals. Mm. Looking to build on that and. And he's only 15 goals away from getting a half, half century of goals for Newcastle now so that just shows yeah. you how long he's been around and it, it, it seems to me as well I don't know what you made of it but um, I mean you, you, you talk of him as a number 10 which is, which is where he's, he's played most of his football but um, 
it seemed to it seemed like last night it, it, he was almost playing as a as an absolute centre forward as a partner to Hosselu at times. Yeah, you know, it did he, look like a four four two. Yeah, I mean for, for all the pressure Newcastle were under, they they did keep those two up the field mm-hmm. uh, for most of the game. So you know perhaps that's. Uh, I mean, you know, we had, there were times last season when Newcastle flirted with four four two. Perhaps that's a sign that yeah. that Benitez is looking more to it, or or maybe it's just a, uh, just his feeling that he need that Hosselu needs a player a bit yeah. closer to him, and that maybe a, another striker who comes in doesn't. We'll we'll have to wait and see, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Yeah, I mean, for me, I think Hosselu will be very much a backup player. He, yeah. he will come in and out with the team. Um, he knows his role here, mm. but I think really. If you're looking at Muto, who's coming in, yeah. Um, for me, I think he's going to be a replacement for Dwight Gale. Eventually, yes. I think it looks like you know. I mean, Rafa even admitted on the record last night that Gale could be sold. Yes. Uh, and basically, Rondon will be the replacement for Mitrovic if they can get that deal over the line. Yeah. Um, and then, as I say, he's looking for that other number ten as well, yes. just to supplement everything. We we just want a variety of, of options, don't you? Really. Say Mooch is more of a more of a quick player, as you say, in, in, a little bit in that respect. In the uh, in the ilk of, of Gale, Hoslow is obviously more of a target man, yeah. looking to replace the target man in Mitrovic. So yeah. if you can have someone who's comfortable up on his own, then and that's something. That, I mean, I, I wonder as well if, um, particularly if he doesn't get another ten, if um, if Mutu might at times be used as an alternative to Perez as well, playing off a big man, yeah, uh, making use of that pace because he has he has played up front on his own for. For Mainz and for Japan, but mm-hmm. I think it was noticeable that just one game in the World Cup he played as one and two rather yeah. than a, rather than on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you, as you say, you, you can't you can't just go into into any game, any season, any tournament with one way of playing. Yeah. You know, I mean that was probably the downfall of Spain and Germany at the World Cup, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Unwillingness to adapt. So as a manager, you, you know. You, well, ideally, you probably want four strikers, don't you, with, with four different sets of attributes. And yeah, I think that's probably what what Rafa is working towards. The the big question, of course, is whether he'll have the money to spend to to get the, the quality of players he wants. I mean, what, what do you think uh, the situation with it is with regards to that? Well, I mean, I've done a little piece before and I tallied uh, tallied up how much money you know Newcastle have now raked in. Mm. It's well over forty million in player sales alone. Now, when you consider the TV money is there as well, uh, you know there's no excuses now for the board not to really back Rafa. Uh, he was in a serious mood uh, last night. He wasn't. I mean, he, he's always very affable with the press, yeah, um, which is brilliant. But I've seen him happier, <laughs> and I think last night, you know, he was just kind of he, he gets his message out ever so diplomatically yes and he'd done that again last night and just you know suggested that that money should be there now for Mitrovic and all the other sales and you know Newcastle now have to go go shopping again and they've only got about 10 days to do it and these deals haven't happened quickly yeah Uh, they've taken you know up to like three weeks four weeks for some of them so well what one would hope we'll we'll, we'll wait and see how it pans out but one would hope that they've had targets lined up and had discussions about well if we get this money from Mitrovic yeah 
would you be interested in this sort of thing? We'll, we'll wait and see. But mm. I mean, in some ways, this, this isn't a criticism of him at all. But in some ways, he's his own worst enemy, really, because as you say, Martin Dubravka cost four million pounds. Yeah. Uh, Fabian Share cost him three million. Key cost him nothing at all. When Mike Ashley sees him pulling deals like that out of the bag, it's no wonder he, he thinks, well, you know, we can we can save a bit of money. But it's it's a very yeah, it's a very risky policy, isn't it? I think ultimately you need to. You need to make a few quality signings. You can't just uh, skate by by the seat of your pants all the time. Well, yeah, and it's you know it's really worth noting as well that at the start of this window, Newcastle weren't really. I mean, what, firstly, what you've got to remember, Rafa Benitez, is that he's absolutely obsessed with football. He's in love with his job, and even his Liverpool days, his Real Madrid days, his time in Italy always had long, long databases and lists of players that could fill in certain certain positions and he he won't want Newcastle to be short Um, he'll have an idea of budget Uh, but at at the start of this window Newcastle weren't looking at players at the World Cup but they've ended up because they've they've been on his database, some of them a bit further down the list uh, and he's ended up bringing in two or three players who played in the World Cup. Now, Key was a free transfer. He was someone who they were aware of before the World Cup. I don't think he's... You know, you, you have this thing about all oh, signing players off the back of the World yeah, Cup. Yeah, whether you're reacting or whether you've yeah. planned it. Yeah. Key, Key was, all, was always on his list. Well, Key, Key was on signed... On his long list. Key was signed on... Sorry, Key was signed on the basis of the Premier League football he played, wasn't he? Not, not anything he'd done at Russia. Exactly. And he was a free transfer, so it worked really well. Um, so they got that one done. Um, Mutu, again, probably someone who's been looked at already by Newcastle. Rafa Benitez wouldn't sign anybody on the back of, you know, a good sort of dossier of research. And he certainly wouldn't have signed them off his contributions alone at the World Cup yeah well I mean let's be frank there weren't many of them were there he only exactly. started one game and only came off the bench once so that shows you that that is a, again a transfer that's, uh, that's not just a knee jerk reaction correct and then Shaw Fabian Shaw he, he's another player who Rafa will have known about because he was at Deportivo I think the minute that Deportivo went nose diving out of, the, out of La Liga He'll have checked every single player's availability and mm. discovered that Shaw had this three million release clause, which is could prove to be an absolute steal. So, yeah. so he hasn't signed players off the back of World Cup. What he's done is he's, he's ended up dropping down the list, yes. uh, a long list of players, and you know initial targets. Sadly, he, he couldn't get. Well, it is funny, isn't it? Because every club goes into every transfer window determined to do it the right way and you always always hear managers saying oh I want I want all my targets in before the first pre-season game and then it'll shift to before we before we go away or, be, or uh, and then it becomes in the old days when we had the uh, earlier uh, the later transfer window it'd be before the first game and you keep having to move the goalposts and move the goalposts don't you because the reality is unless you're Real Madrid and even even for clubs of that stature you're waiting on other clubs. You know, you, you're waiting for bits of deals to be done. In, in Newcastle's case, you know they're waiting to get the money from Alexander Mitrovic. In the case of other players, you're waiting on them to make their minds up about other possible options for them to come back from holidays. And it just never, just never works out as you want, does yeah. it? It's just a case of making the best of what what you get. And the thing now with the with the window as well is it, it's, it's got to the point where 
it gets hyped out of all proportion as well now and it's you know Sky Sports it's I mean we're living in a 24-7 news cycle where yeah. where effectively we are part of that yeah. and we know we are looking to get the stories uh, we're looking to get names we're looking to get names firmed up which I think is, is important I mean there's been times where you find yourself unpopular because you've knocked down a name but you've, you've gone and checked it out um, yeah, you are a bit of a spoiled sport sometimes. Exactly. But, you know, for me, looking at it from a consumer side, I'd rather be... You'd rather know. I'd rather be know, know if this is happening or not. If, if it's getting knocked down, you'd rather know. Um, but there's a lot of hype, you know, within the whole window now. Yeah. You know. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows... And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. We, we've all seen the yellow ties and stuff like that. Mm. It's, it's almost served up as a little bit of entertainment on Sky Sports and... The managers have got to work around all that, you know. You can use it to your advantage. Yeah. Um, certain managers do that, you know. Harry Redknapp used to be the uh, speaking out the car window, and I think they all do, they all use it to a degree, don't they? Even the ones that pretend not to. Exactly. I think Rafa, as I say, not not quite as uh, blatant as Harry Redknapp's torn up his uh, car window, but got his message out there, as I say, diplomatically. And I think he'll continue to do. He'll continue knocking on the door until. Uh, until the last few hours of the window, mm. and if, the, if he feels a deal can be done, he'll be, you know, he'll be speaking to Lee Charnley yeah. and, and making sure that, that that gets done. So, well, well, talking about playing games, I mean, do, do you think that um, the reason the Mitrovic deal has gone through now is, is because Newcastle upped the ante and actually took him out here to Portugal? Yeah. He was actually on a on a flight to the UK on Friday and a yeah. flight back on uh, Saturday, wasn't he? Yeah, well, his air miles at least have been boosted, I would, yes. I would imagine. But, uh, no, for me, I think um, with Mitrovic, it reminded me of Wijnaldum mm. um, a couple of years ago when Liverpool, you know, they were saying we want him, but we want him at this price. And Rafa Benitez just said to Wijnaldum, look, we haven't had a bid, we haven't accepted anything. You, you, you're up, you are our player. Yeah. You're playing at Doncaster yes. uh, in a friendly, and he played him. And you know, within hours of that game finishing, mm. when Alden was sold, and I think Mitrovic as well, they told Fulham, "Well, if you, if you don't want to buy him, then we're going to use him." Yeah. The, the next day he was on a flight, and I, and I do think the up the ante, and yeah, uh, it was a it was a wasted um, wasted journey to Portugal mm. for Mitrovic, but um, hopefully he'll have had plenty of stuff downloaded. To watch on his iPad, there, but, um, but but look, you know he leaves now. He was very popular with, with, with some sections of the fans. Can see totally why. Yeah. Um, 
he really got the really wholehearted player, wasn't he? You know, for it, I think everyone knows he had limitations, but when you see somebody giving their all, then you can yeah. forgive that a bit, can't you? Rather than some, we could all think of strikers in the past at Newcastle yeah. United who've had fantastic talent and haven't had the same application and desire that Mitrovic had. Exactly, and um, for me, I think it's right that he that he has been sold. Um, you know, I'm not. Not too concerned about saying that because Rafa Benitez simply didn't rate him. He wasn't his player. He didn't think he was working hard and training enough. So now he's gone to Fulham, and um, yeah, well, that, that money needs to be ploughed back into the team. Whatever you think of, of a player as, as a supporter, um, the, the brutal reality is there's absolutely no point having a manager. Sorry, a manager having a player he doesn't rate. Whether whether the manager's right or wrong on that, he's yeah. not going to pick him. It's, it's a waste of wages, isn't it? Uh, yeah. And, Rafa is gradually working through um, he's working through players that he inherited mm. uh, and he's, he's getting money he's sold some players that, some of the players that he bought in yeah. as well absolutely yeah. Sells is gone Lazar will be sold if they can find anybody who's willing to buy him he, you know I, I, you don't like to sit here and say well Rafa's made mistakes in the window you know he, it's the same for any manager everyone does though yeah you, you think that you've got a good player on your hands and it just doesn't work out so mm. but I think you've got certainly an 85 probably an 85% success yeah. record with transfers and that's not too bad it's a bit like goalkeepers isn't it every goalkeeper makes mistakes it's the, the ones who make fewest who are the best goalkeepers exactly you know it's the same with managers in the transfer market but on, on one of those um, I don't think it escaped anyone's attention that while Newcastle used 10 subs I think it was last night it didn't use Dwight Gale. I mean, do you think there's any prospect of Dwight Gale playing for Newcastle again? It doesn't look likely at the moment. Mm-hmm. I think last night, you know, he, he was here, but the discussions with West Brom were ongoing. Whether he's here at the end of this trip mm. will be another matter. Um, but again, Newcastle will continue to, to use him in training and they'll use him in games until that bid is acceptable. So. I never actually thought Newcastle would get rid of Dwight Gale this summer because, uh, you know, he, he's a reliable striker. He didn't get the goals he wanted last season. Um, he's, he's quite an important character in the dressing room, but it's you know it's it's, like, it's almost like going back to on a, on a, on a slightly different scale. Another number nine, Andy Cole, mm. when Kevin King sold Cole. I'm not comparing Dwight Gale. Sure. Andy Cole because the goal records aren't, aren't the same what what I'm saying is is basically that Keegan sold Cole to make the team better and in the long yeah. run Les Ferdinand arrived Newcastle were a better outfit for having him on board now w- with Gale could be going to West Brom back into the championship I think he'll get a lot of goals there he's got loads of goals for Newcastle but I think really he's now looking at the situation and thinking can Rondon do that a little bit better for us? And, yeah. And can he give me more options in attack? And I think definitely that's uh, that that's where Rafa is is looking now. Uh, Rondon's a player who's won from the start. He's got a release clause, sixteen point five million. Gale will go then. Whatever will be taken off the price tag, and, and that that that's the way they try and do that deal. Um, I've seen people's comments about Rondon. They're not exactly celebrating the, the, the prospect of that signing but it's about him doing a job and uh, Rafa's got a limited budget he's, he's got to work with what he's got and um, 
hopefully you know he gets that settled squad that he wants and then the window closes and then can really crack on yeah I mean t- to my mind for what it's worth I kind of see Rondon in a similar bracket to um, Hossolu in that he's a, he's a striker to do a job on a budget that sort of thing yeah. but uh, I mean obviously the decision lies with with Mike Ashley on that but to my mind I don't think a, a team with Newcastle's aspirations or the aspirations certainly that Benitez and the supporters have mm. should have two of those strikers in their yeah. in their squad but say if, if the money's not there then uh, then that's the end of that isn't it I guess but, yeah so. yeah and uh, look you, you have a little look around the rest of the clubs and they are spending some big money and I have to say I've looked at some clubs and I've thought, wow, we're spending that much on mm. that player. And I think the inflation is... It's, uh, you can see how clubs end up being wrecked by Definitely. three or four players. I mean, yeah, these players going for 40, 50 million, it's, it just seems to have gone through the roof, um, the prices. Mm. Well, Mike Ashley's never going to pay that. No, that, that's just the reality of it, isn't it? You can argue all you like, but... Yeah. The man who makes the decision has made the decision. I mean, say to back at what you said, I mean, you, you look at Everton last year and the amount of money they threw at that, and you know, people are asking questions about Everton again with Richarlison moving this year. But I he, mean, he, he's the he, if there's one player that sums up what we're talking about now, it's yes, him. but this yeah. time last year we'd have probably said it's Guilford Sigurdsson of yeah. Everton as well, you know, yeah. kind of the poster boys for, for overspending. But it, it does show you, and it, it's, it's a good thing, really, in a way that. Even even in this Premier League era of all this obscene amounts of money, it's it's still actually first and foremost about being a good manager and spending yeah. wisely, isn't it? Yeah, and I, you know what though? For, for me, I think if if Rafa Benitez was handed the hundred million, hundred fifty million, I think he'd spend most of it well. Oh, I, I don't doubt that. Yeah, and he's, he's done it with a limited budget. You know, without being too gloomy. Rafa Benitez does leave Newcastle United at some stage mm-hmm. whoever comes in is going to probably be inferior yeah in terms of uh, global attraction contacts and you know on, and judgement on, on players and I just think I, I just I just feel that with Newcastle you know Lee Charnley Mike Ashley I, I'm not sure they know exactly what they've got with Rafa Benitez yeah. uh, and I, I do think he can definitely end Newcastle's trophy drought given mm. the right backing um, he can get the back into Europe so that makes money for the club it keeps him on the map yeah. surely keeps Mike Ashley and Sports Direct happy because it's their exposure it's a so, good business deal for them isn't it so, I mean we've, we've, we've spoke on this trip um, about alternatives yes. if Rafa Benitez goes I mean you're going to be going back to somebody like Alan Pardew or Steve McLaren mm, you know yeah. someone who's just grateful to, yes. to have the job but they're not going to be able to um, yeah to take it to, to another level definitely not I mean yeah. Pardew did it he's got them to fifth place in 2012 he did it well um, but after that I think he got a bit carried away with his own success he got, he got manager of the year yeah twice that year um, but after that it just seemed to go up his head a bit and Newcastle just fell to pieces and nearly got relegated so that's that's the life of a Newcastle manager you know you can you can, you can get carried away but with Rafa I just think it's going to be steady progress top 10 last season I think giving the right back and he can do something similar yeah. this season but give him a bit more money exactly. and then you know he can he can push for that 
that top six and yeah European football would be something we'd all love to have back I mean we tasted it last night at Porto it was fantastic we, we absorbed everything in the ground mm. it did really feel like a, an actual Proper competitive game. European yeah. game did it not just a friendly mm-hmm. and you know that's I mean I remember speaking to Glenn Roder back in it was a couple of years after he left and he managed to lead Newcastle into Europe via the old end of Toto. Yeah. And they had a good run in Europe. They got in the last 16. Probably should have went further. But I remember speaking to him a couple of years later when Newcastle went a bit of a mess. And you know, he said, look, whatever you say about Newcastle supporters, mm. uh, the very least they deserve is to be going into Europe every year. Yeah. Because they turn up every week at St James Park, sell out crowds, and they deserve to have that European football. Um, and I'm, you know, I know for a fact Rafa Benitez would, would love to deliver that, but unless he gets the right tools to do the job, yeah, it's extremely difficult. And obviously, while we've been away, there's been a few protests in Newcastle. That they've seen that, yeah, yeah, they've carried over here. We saw there was a, there was a banner on the Dom Luis Bridge, the yeah. huge bridge in Porto. Yeah. Um, there's been bits of unrest. We can't rush to judgment because, as always, you know, there's about ten days till the transfer window shuts, and we we should wait and see. But if it goes the way we're expecting with a, a Rondon or a Rondon type replacement for Mitrovic and, and not much else spent what do you think the mood will be among the supporters do you think they will I, be accepting of it reluctantly do you think there will be more protests will there be boycotts I think they've got to get at least three more deals done mm-hmm. before the window shuts to just to make sure that the, you know the fans are knowledgeable enough to know if they get the, the players in who are going to... The problem is, is injuries. Yes. And if they cut in, the the squad beneath yeah. isn't strong enough. So no. they're, they're the type of players you want to get in. Um, they look very light at full-back in pre-season, haven't they? We mentioned Dummett's yeah. not played until uh, until last night. Yeah, well, you've got two two youngsters playing. Two young players. Yeah. At times. Out of position. So, yeah. so that... So that... The, the right squad players need to come in, and I think that once that happens, then... I think people. Look, it, it, it's pretty much deadline day is going to be judgment day mm. for Newcastle. I've said this already, and people by that point will be able to tot up exactly what's been spent, yeah. exactly what's been recouped, and then and then offset that with the TV money. And everybody will see the balance sheets. Yeah, you know, I know Newcastle like pristine balance sheets, and they they like to talk about what a great job they're doing financially but everyone will be able to see exactly how much they've spent and if they don't feel that the, the vision and the ambition is there then you know they, if they will chant for change and, yeah. and they're entitled to do that absolutely and you, you mentioned three players there has, has that number in your mind changed since we learned about Florian Lejeune being uh, suffering cruciate knee ligament damage or do you think Newcastle have got enough there well I would say three players as a minimum to come in yeah. would, would pacify some supporters. Sure. But really, I think Rafa Private would be pushing for probably four, mm. including a centre back. Yeah. And uh, you know, there's there's been a few more names in the press today. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the centre back, and I think look at the end of the day, the Lejeune injury is serious. He's going to be out. Yeah. You've got Kieran Clark. You've got Lascelles. You've got Shaw. Then after that. Yeah, I mean, we've seen Yarny a bit in pre-season, but he's another young player, isn't he, who's he's perhaps one for the future rather than one for the present. Exactly. I mean, he's done a 
exceptional job in pre-season with Yarny because he's not really been out on loan. Yeah. Uh, he's played under 23 football uh, for most of his life um, in recent times. And I, and I just think that that is a very inexperienced player to chuck into the Premier League yeah. without the benefit of being on loan. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedbacks. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch? This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.